You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having a fine Tuesday wherever it is you are, whether it be in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. This is Locked On Indians. I am Jeff Ellis. We are at 141 episodes by now, so I think you know who I am. Uh, over on 24-7 Sports, I have updated my way-too-early mock draft. As teams got eliminated, I added in more picks. I have this whole thing mocked out, as it were, uh, before uh, I wrote any of it. So all the picks are in place, all the thought are in place. It's not like I suddenly add a pick in here or change something there. Now this is all together, and I'm just releasing it in parts. Um... Yeah, it's a way of keeping it evergreen. But yeah, I mean, the Indians pick has stayed the same. But if you're curious about some of the other names, some of the other players, uh, go check it out. It's it's a fun class at this point on because there's, I can't recall ever having this many potential first round draft, draft eligible sophomores. It's, it's a really interesting group just in that regard alone. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Columbus Clippers. It is the last of our minor league uh, previews type deal. Uh, this is another one that was really hard because, uh, as I talked about before, the Indians moved guys through the system. If a U stayed in one level for the entire year or with one team for the entire year, that's not a good sign. Um, the Indians quickly moved guys around and through. The other problem is Columbus, the guys who did stay there, it's a lot of older players. It's a lot of not prospects, players who have been in the majors. It's a lot of those types. So There's a lot of depth type of talent that went through Columbus. So finding a list of 10 players that... Uh, you know, made the cut was difficult. It was not an easy task just to find 10 non, you know, players who still had their rookie rights in place. Um, pulling up the roster, it's like J- James Hoyt. You're like, oh, yeah, he appeared this year. He's an interesting young guy, right? No, he's 33 years old, and uh, he 2017 is when he was uh, gave up his rookie status. What about that Hunter Wood? He looks pretty young. No, uh, 20, that last year. Uh, he's he's 26. What about that other Phil Maton guy, uh, 26 also last year? But that's the whole thing. You go through this list, and it is a, just loaded with guys who pitched in the majors at some point. It is just a depth farm. It is not, uh, it's not a place where they do a lot of development anymore. It is purely 100% about depth for the Indians. That's all they made this level about. I mean, I'll be honest. My final cut when I was working on this list was Eric Stemetz, because at least he had played in the majors. He's a good defender, and he can run. Uh, the profile is not dissimilar from Ernie Clement, in all honesty. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even in spite of all of his struggles this year and all the situation kind of tied to those struggles, I still liked him uh, good enough to consider him for the top ten. Uh, he didn't have a particularly grand season when he um, made it back. To the minors for uh, Stamets, but yeah, I mean, at least it's like, hey, he can play shortstop, he can play second base, he can run. Uh, yeah, there's concerns the last two years in an extremely hitter-friendly park. He's struggled to hit, and that was my concern when the Indians were like, yeah, he's going to be our starting shortstop. And I, you know, if you've been listening, you knew I was like, this isn't going to work. Uh, but I think there's still a, a potential backup profile there but yeah that, that was my final cut that's that's the lack of depth in columbus in terms of non-major league players uh they did sell off a few guys this year asher wojcikowski was sold off to baltimore kevin rabin uh sold off to the yankees both cases it's the right thing to do 
because those players had a chance to play in the majors and the Indians weren't going to stand in their way. So when you get right down to it, uh, the Indians made the right call. They were good dudes about it, as it were, and allowed those guys to go play in the majors instead of being stuck in the minors. Um, in terms of, I mean, just I think what kind of sums it up is when you look at guys who played in 100-plus games, uh, Ryan Flattery, who's was 32 most of the season, was at 113. You know, Brandon Barnes in 94 games. He's in his he's 33. It's you know, there's a lot of guys in here in their 30s. Um, and then when you look at the pitching side of things, in terms of like innings pitched, um, you know, Asher Wojciechowski, Mitch Talbot's up there, Josh Smith, Jonathan Edwards, Chi Wee Hugh. Chi Wee Hugh is an interesting case. Um, another guy we just have to talk about because the Indians traded an interesting prospect for him. And I, like many, thought that, well, he's going to start the year in the Indians' bullpen. The Indians, uh, he did not start the year in the bullpen. He stumbled in the minors. He's one of those guys who was a, a fringe 40 candidate for Tampa. And the Indians went around and bought up a lot of these guys. And um, some, like Jordan Luplow, worked. And by some, I mean Jordan Luplow worked. And the majority of others, the Max Morhoffs, the Chiwi Hughes, the Walter Lockets, did not. Um, the Indians thought so little of him at one point that when he passed through the 40-man process um, and no one claimed him, they could take him off their 40-man. And he was just on roster, and they put him down in double-A. And then they released him from double-A. Um, they didn't even—they thought they had other arms worth more time to them in their system— that's how quickly they kind of soured on him, which is unusual. Um, uh, he was a really interesting guy because he's got like these four pitches. He has velocity that that um, plays up, and at the end of the day, you're kind of hoping that you move from the starter to reliever. He could be something. It just didn't seem to click. Henry Martinez, I was super high on a year ago, really struggled struggled this year in AAA. Not what we were hoping to see if uh, he was one of those guys. Another cut, um, late cut for me on this list, was Michael Peoples. I, you know, it's. I, I'm still debating that cut. Let's put it that way. He may still sneak in um, in the break between uh, bits here. It's going to come down to me debating that final pick. It's basically coming down to Michael Peoples versus Andrew Velasquez. And it's one of those debates where... Or Mark Matthias. It's like those are the the final few spots there. Those three are definitely kind of that bottom tier, and I got to figure out which two get in the, those final spots. Columbus won the uh, the international crown this year, uh, advancing through the postseason again. Very roster, very veteran roster team. Um, you can just go through the list. I mean, more guys in terms of batting and pitching on this team have played in the majors than have not this past year. That's that's what the Indians do. Triple A is to load up with emergency depth and then some players that are advancing through the system that they want to get a look at. Part of the problem is just player development. Um, that stadium is appalling for player development. Uh, it's extremely hitter friendly. It's got some weird angles. It's a nice stadium. I've been there. I love Columbus. I went to college in Columbus. Um, it's now a parking nightmare down there. Side note, I remember when it used to be a breeze, but every all that uh, all those extra parking lots from when I was in school are gone. But that park makes it very hard to evaluate the hitters, and especially since they changed the baseballs down there this year. You saw just home run rates fly through the roof. Uh, guys hitting home runs at rates they had never 
shown before and other pitchers all of a sudden be just looking like they're pitching BP after being solid pitching prospects the past few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing you got to say is the Indians had a lot of guys come up for a game or two there. A lot of guys came up, went down. They they did kind of a revolving door at points, but this the roster, the overall, when I work on the list for this, there is definitely a better group of talent than we saw with Akron, but it is a definitely a different group. It is a vet-heavy group, and I'm very curious to see which of these guys are still with the team because some are going to have that option of moving on. Others are others on this list are going to be 40-man exposed. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch for the Indians. The postseason is brought to you by Vivid Seats, and they've been one of our great sponsors. They took the idea of buying your tickets and added a fun new wrinkle with a loyalty rewards program. The more you buy, the higher you get to go, the better the deals you'll get. And if you're going to buy a ticket to anything now, you want to be using Vivid Seats because we have this promo code for you. So you're going to go download the app, Vivid Seats, and use the promo code POSTSEASON. That shows them that the MLB side of things on Locked On sent you there. You're going to buy your tickets anyways. This code will save you up to 100 bucks. So you might as well go use Vivid Seats, save yourself some money, and start building up those reward points. Because once you start building up those reward points, you're going to want to keep going back to Vivid Seats. So remember, download the app, use the promo code POSTSEASON, do it for yourself, save yourself a few bucks. Our other sponsor is one of our oldest and dearest, that is BlueChew.com, the little blue pill, which has all the active ingredients as the big names, but since it's chewable, it allows you to do what you want to do quicker. There have been all these scandals this year about uh, uh, the use of uh, helping pills uh, for Major League players when from gas stations and such. Don't do that. That led to suspensions. Instead, go over to BlueChew. Use the promo code MLB. Again, it shows them that uh, you're listening to our great MLB podcast network. And they're going to send you a free sample. They believe so much in their product, they're giving it away for free. You have to pay the five bucks for shipping. Small cost to pay to see what all the hype's about. See why they believe in a product so much that they're willing to give it away for free, knowing you'll come back for more. That is BlueChew.com using that promo code MLB. Try it out. See what all the hype's about. See why this is a product that they believe so much that they think the first time you try it, you're going to keep going back and using it again and again. Okay, so the final cut here uh, ended up being Mark Matthias. Even though he had a really strong year, and I heard a lot of people talking about improvements this year, uh, high rate in home runs and doubles, high in his OPS, uh, all those numbers, slugging, batting average, the problem is it's in Columbus. The other problem is that this was after spending two straight complete seasons in Akron. He actually, I remember seeing him get a cup of coffee in 2016 up there and just looking completely overmatched, which was disappointing because this was a time when I really liked the Indian system depth because there was guys like Matt Esparza, who was a pitcher who you've probably forgotten about, and Matthias and Krieger back when they were more prospecty instead of more organizational depth guys. Um, and that was kind of that grouping of players that really made me go, okay, I need to reevaluate how big that gap between high A and double A is and how much value I want to give a player. I mean, there was a point where I had Tyler Krieger as a, a top 10 prospect in the system. Um, Matthias in the top 15, Asparza as a top like 8 to 12. So it was a very good uh, year in terms of me learning about uh, how I judge talent. So saying that, um, in spite of the good year, in spite of the good reports, I have to ax him. You know, he's, uh, he's a second baseman who has repeated multiple levels. Um, 
sorry. <laughs> he gets the, the cut. So that means at 10 we have Andrew Velasquez. He gets the, uh, the advantage because he's a better runner and he can play almost anywhere on the diamond. He has played you know, right field, he's played left field, he's played center, he's played third, short, and second in the minors. He's a guy who pretty much outside of catcher, you can put him anywhere. Um, yes, he hasn't played first, but who can't play first? It's not really um, a hard position. He's mostly played shortstop, though. But just his uh, his utility as all the things he can do defensively and run, um, he's, in my mind, you look at like Velasquez, Stamets, Clement, to me, they're all very similar prospects, and I, I think Velasquez is probably the best of the group because he has the best tools and he has the most versatility. Coming in at nine is a guy I refuse to give up on, and that is Michael Peoples. Um, I kind of talked about beforehand with him that, you know, he he's never going to get people up in arms. He's never going to be that guy. But in a year where, you know, offense exploded in AAA, his home run rate was 1.06. And that's, in a, again, a banned box, a place that is not pitcher-friendly at all. And he, he just he, he was able to keep the ball down. He had a walk rate of 1.8, which is fantastic, a strikeout rate of 7.6, which was an improvement for him. He is 27 years old. Um, I'm sorry, he is 28 years old. He turned 28 in September. And there's reasons, you know, his age, the lack of missing bats, all these reasons to doubt him. But he's effective. And, like, at this point, if I'm a team, I've talked about this before, you know, here's a six foot five pitcher who keeps the ball in the park and doesn't walk anyone. Um, there's a chance that he could work as a fifth starter. There's a legitimate chance that that profile works. He was drafted back in uh, 2012, so he's definitely a minor league free agent if he wants to be. Um, so I mean, if I'm a team, if I'm the Tigers, if I'm a team that's going to be terrible, I tell him you can come to camp and have a legitimate chance. And the Tigers have a good rotation, so maybe they're not the best case. But if I'm Baltimore, I'm like, you have a legitimate chance to make our team. You keep the ball in the park and you don't walk anyone. That's two components of a solid pitcher. And you have the size to be a starter. We'll see if you can miss him enough bats. We'll see if you can avoid giving up enough hits. Could he be a, uh, a Tomlin-esque pitcher? Maybe. Like, that is the best outcome, and that is a potential uh, for him. And that's why I'm going to keep uh, being a stand for Michael Peoples. I think he should get a chance. I hope he does go elsewhere because I just don't think it's going to happen here. But, again, if I ran a team, he'd be the type of free agent I want to track down. I'm looking at who's got a, a really low walk rate. That's my first thing I'm looking at in terms of guy who is probably underrated in terms of what they can do. Back before Carson Sistuli got the uh, uh, signed by the Toronto Blue Jays as a, a scout uh, over at Fangraphs, and he would do kind of his marginalized prospects. I feel like Peoples would have popped up multiple times this year. He's just, he's exactly the type of arm I would target. That brings us to eight, Cam Hill, another guy I've talked about at length this year. Two years ago when he was in Akron in 2017, uh, I remember I wanted him to do more than he was. Like, he wasn't walking a lot of guys. The home run rate was a little high. He just wasn't missing enough bats. But I would talk with people in Akron, and they'd tell me that the Indians do like him. They think there's a developmental future here. He's an interesting guy. Keep your eyes on him. Well, he had some arm injuries, didn't really pitch in 2018, and this year he came back, and he started missing bats. A uh, strikeout rate of over 13 across three levels. Walk rate did go up to over five. Home run rate was up. A lot of that was with Columbus and all the oddities going on there. But he's still an interesting pitcher to me. Uh, again, he's a guy that 
2014 draft, so he's not going to be a free agent at this point. But, I mean, I would consider a Rule 5 draft pick for him. Just in terms of what we've seen and what has happened, uh, if you're a team that is, you know, that that's a way to find talent. It's a way to add to add players who could make you marginally better. And guess what? If Cam Hill doesn't make you better, it costs you $45,000. I mean, okay, that's a huge amount to me. That's, uh, that's almost my yearly salary, I mean, as a teacher. But to these organizations, that's nothing. So, yeah, if I had a Rule 5 pick, I'm, I'm strongly considered Cam Hill, especially like if you're going into round two and you got more picks, why not? Take your shot. Take a, a chance on a guy who misses bats. It's like low walk rates, high strikeout rates. Those are the guys I'm targeting if I am looking at these kind of marginal prospects um, or guys who might be viewed in other places as marginal prospects. Number seven is going to be a surprise to many, and that is Bobby Bradley. He hit all the home, he had 33 home runs this year. Well, he doesn't do anything else. The walk rate did start to sneak up. It is up over 10. That is a very encouraging sign. The problem is the strikeout rate uh, at 34%. He's one of those guys, man, when he had that year in Arizona after the Indians drafted him, ooh, when he hit 361 with the eight home runs, I mean, it was... It was exciting. And then when he went to Lake County and followed it up and was hitting, you know, 269 with the 27 home runs in 2015. But really since then, I just, every single year, it's been a little bit of decline, a little bit of decline. 2017 was the big uh, breakout year in Akron, I want to say. And then 2018 was a bit of a decline. This year, he, it's almost like every other year with him. Uh, it's power. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to hit enough to tap into it. I don't know if he's going to be more in a quad A guy. Um, you'd like to see him continue to develop, see what he can do. Um, mixed reviews on the glove. I've talked to some people who think it's a great glove. I've talked to other people who think he's a DH all the way. Uh, can't hit lefties enough. That's, that's the problem. It's If he could play any other position, he'd probably be in the majors. But as a first baseman who's a platoon candidate, that's just that's going to be a hard sell for any team at this point. So that takes us to number six, Scott Moss. The other one of the other players in the deal with uh, for Trevor Bauer, Moss was the closer at Florida because that team was absolutely loaded uh, with potential first round picks. He missed a lot of bats this year, strikeout rate over nearly 11. The walk rate was nearly five, so not the best. But he didn't give up a lot of uh, home run balls. And you know, I talked about this before that when it comes to a guy like Scott Moss, an interesting piece of the developmental picture. Uh, it's the same thing like Notre Dame. Right now, I'm telling you to buy stock on college baseball players from Notre Dame. Uh, Nico Cavadas, the first baseman, Komet, the pitcher, Joe Boyle, the pitcher. Because the old pitching staff, the old coaching staff there was maybe the worst in terms of development. There are so many players right now who, Kevin Biggio is an example. You can find all these guys who are breaking out, and you go and you're like, oh, they went to Notre Dame. It's The development was pretty atrocious. They could get big names. They had the ability to bring in talent, but the developmental cycle was just ugly. And a lot of guys, you would you could buy them low, knowing their performance didn't match their talent because they just weren't getting the correct coaching. Same thing with the Reds. Now, they've changed this, and they're really overhauling that entire system. Um, and I don't think you're going to be able to say the same thing in a year. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you won't be able to say the same thing in a year. But right now, uh, you know, I can see why the Indians would want to add Moss. He is a big lefty who misses at bats and has been in, uh, you know, the wasteland of pitching development. Uh, the Reds have, until 
this year, and it was a lot of the Derek Johnson did a fantastic job. But so many guys just Robert Stevenson had control problems the moment he was drafted, and the Reds did nothing to fix it. Um, you know, Amir Garrett, similar thing. It's like they never. It's like, oh, well, that's that's what they don't do. It's like, well, work on it, figure something out. But that that wasn't the Reds' approach. So you're buying on this left-hander who has starting pitching size, does not have a lot of mileage on his arm, uh, went to a, a school known for developing pitching, and then went to a minor league system known for not developing pitching. So you're thinking there, there could be more here. And that's what it comes down to. It's, it's, I think you can, and I think it's a very smart thing to do and to look at, is to buy low on a system. You know, know that they're not good at this, but we like the talent and the ability. So we're going to target players from here thinking that we're going to be able to find extra development. We're going to be able to fine-tune them and do the things this other organization was across the board pretty terrible at doing. I think that could be the uh, the market inequality right now is not so much finding talent, but finding organizations that stink at uh, producing and developing specific types of talent. And then you yourself uh, gaining that talent and fixing that issue buying low because organizations can't here's the thing we've already run long again um we've got the top five to go we'll do that on tomorrow's show that gives me a little bit of uh, leeway on what i can do for tomorrow we'll uh we'll look into a few other things but at this point i think you can kind of guess at who the top five are maybe not the order but i think the top five is pretty well established especially with bobby bradley not being in there I think most people could guess at who my top five are going to be and potentially the order they're going to fall in. But uh, at this point, we're going to push that off for one more day, give us a little bit uh, more to talk about this week, and I want to thank everyone for listening, subscribing, telling a friend, all that stuff. It, it is really special to me when I go out and see how highly rated we are on iTunes. Um, tell me if I'm still having problems breathing on the mic. Uh, and remember to hit me up on at Twitter, at Draft. Or you can find me on Facebook, uh, Jeff MLB Draft, and give me some questions for a mailbag. I'd like to start doing a mailbag edition this offseason because, I mean, I'm going to be honest, it's going to be a little hard to fill a daily podcast on the baseball season, especially when you have a team like the Indians that aren't the most active team during the hot stove. Again, thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe!